We're going to read several scriptures uh, in our opening this morning, so perhaps take notes or, or follow along on the screen. Or I don't know if, if you're a fa fast flipper in your Bible, maybe you can get there. Uh, book of John, first chapter. John, the first chapter, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and we talked about this last Sunday, I believe. Who's the Word? Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. If you drop down to verse 14 in John 1. And the word became flesh and dwell among you, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. 1 John 4, 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon His shoulder, and His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks. Give You thanks that one day You sent Your Son into the world. and That He came with a purpose to die on a cross, to be the propitiation for sin. So Heavenly Father, help us, to, help us to rejoice in knowing that Christ came. Draw us close to You, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to open just by reading a quote uh, 
from a sermon. This is the sermon that we looked at. Uh, Charles Sermon, uh, Charles Spurgeon preached on December 24th, 1871. This was Christmas Eve in 1871. It was there at the church he preached at, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And, and I believe uh, Spurgeon, because of the way he opened his sermon, was trying to navigate the waters of a holiday, a day called Christmas. And he opened uh, by talking about a few things that I talked about a couple weeks ago. And it always gives me confirmation when, when I've said some things and I can read somebody like Spurgeon and, and they're in agreement. And, and, and that's why I've got certain preachers that I go to and listen to that they preach to me. And, and Spurgeon is one of those. And he opened up by talking about, first he talked about the Roman Catholic connection to the day Christmas, Christ's Mass. And I talked about that, I talk about that every probably communion Sunday that we have here and about the heresy of the Mass, that, that, that prayer of transubstantiation where the priest prays and, and pulls Jesus down from heaven once again and, the, and the, the wine and the bread becomes the actual body and blood of Christ. No, that's heresy. A once and forever sacrifice for sin, that was Christ, not to be represented over and over and over again. Spurgeon says he abhors the Mass, and I agree. But in the United States, December 25th is called what? Christmas. And because of that, that's what I'll call it. That's the day. He also talked about uh, December 25th not being Christ's actual birthday, and it's true. That's true. Uh, it, and if you want to talk about this later, I'm not going to get into all this uh, now, but a more accurate thing would be probably September. And, and one way that, that many have tried to look at that is they go back uh, uh, to Elizabeth and Zechariah, the birth of John the Baptist. And, and because we know that, uh, where was he? He was in the temple. It was his week to be in the temple. And we know of what tribe he was with, and we know what week he was there, you see. And because we know that, and we know then uh, she became with child after that, and then we know when Mary goes there, how far along was Elizabeth? Six months along. And, and, and so they can kind of put some dates, kind of, but we're not told. Scripture, we're not told. And, and so why? let's not be so concerned about a date. Let, let's be concerned about he came, you see. Let's be concerned that, that, that he came, that he actually came. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> the, the, the way uh, uh, Spurgeon put it, you know, I, I said that, that men fix the day. Uh, Spurgeon says that rather uniquely that superstition fixed the day, you see. <laughs> and I, I thought a point that he made that was really good uh, in the midst of that, we, we know that December 25th is, is not the date, but we do have a pretty good idea of when he rose, don't 
don't we? Because you know when the Passover was, you know when all this does. We've got a pretty good idea when that was. But what has man done? That date goes all over the place. Isn't that, isn't that something? You know, the, the one date that we know for sure is not right, they fix it. A date that we have a pretty good idea that we could get pretty close, they move it around all over the place. Another point that, that Spurgeon brought out, and, and I brought out too a couple weeks ago, that, that there is no scriptural mandate to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Even though we have a great celebration uh, at the Incarnation, there, there is no mandate in Scripture that, that we celebrate uh, the birth of Christ. Should we meditate on it, though, and remember it? Of course we should. Of course we should. Uh, we are called rather to remember his death. And we do that here at our Cave Valley Community Church the second Sunday of every month by partaking of communion. And, and so Spurgeon, as he says these things, now I want to read this quote. And again, Spurgeon is just a preacher. He's not a prophet. He's not divine. But, but just listen. I thought he put this very well. And again, because this is, many of you know, this is how I see this. After saying all those things, he says, Nevertheless, since the current of men's thoughts is led this way just now, and let me pause there, and, and he's talking about Christmas, that people are thinking about Christmas, and, and I would say the vast majority of people in America today, right now, they're thinking about Christmas. They got days off from work, got everything, it's, everything's talking about the holiday. And he says, Nevertheless, since the current of men's thoughts is led this way just now, I see no evil in the current itself, and I know there will be some who will disagree with that statement. But I shall launch the boat of our discourse upon the stream and make use of the fact which I shall neither justify nor condemn by endeavoring to lead your thoughts in the same direction. Since it is lawful and even laudable, you know, laudable, praiseworthy, a good thing. Since it is lawful and even laudable to meditate on the incarnation of the Lord upon any day of the year, it cannot be in the power of other men's superstitions to, re to render such a meditation improper for today. And remember when he's preaching this, he's preaching this on Christmas Eve. And he's saying, I'm not, not going to let the superstitions of men dictate me not to preach on what the Holy Spirit is telling me to preach on. You see what he's saying? It cannot be in the power of other men's superstitions to, remen, re, to render such a meditation improper for today. Regarding not the day, let us nevertheless give God thanks for the gift of His dear Son. End quote. And, and I'd say, Amen. Let us today give thanks that God gave. That God gave. Let, let us learn all we can about the Incarnation. Let, let us know all we can about the Messiah coming and why He came so that we might speak truth into the midst of error. So that we might speak truth into a time when other people, when, when men's, as He said it, uh, men's thoughts is led this way just now. To me, and again, this is me. Well, what a perfect... You, you can mention Christ this time of year and it not be out of place. Because Christmas, 
And, and so, and we've even got extra days off. Oh, we're retired. I got every day off. But, but uh, you know, some people have got extra days off. Extra days that you might witness and tell others about the truth, you see. Is there ever a time when it is inappropriate to meditate and consider the incarnation of our Lord and Savior? No. So may we consider his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection of Jesus Christ every day of the year. May we remember why he came. And I'll ask the question, why did he come? Well, we read it, Galatians 4. I just want to read verse 4 and 5 this time. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Why? Well, here it is. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of the time had come, when the completion of the period of preparation of God's sovereign timetable of redemption had come, See, when the law had fully accomplished all that it was meant to do in showing man his utter sinfulness, that, that he could not live up to a holy standard, that he could not keep the law perfectly, he could not on his own attain God's perfect standard of righteousness, God in his sovereign timing ushered in a new era of redemption. When God sent forth His Son, He provided the righteousness that man could not provide for himself. Jesus was a man, born of a woman, like all other men, yet fully God. And He had to be divine. He had to be fully God, or else His sacrifice would not have the infinite value to pay for our redemption. Divine. Virgin birth. So why did he come? To redeem those under the law. Those who cannot live the perfect life to fulfill the law. Uh, Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, Jesus did, or God did, how? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Why? On account of sin. God sent his, his son. Why? On account of sin. Uh, Paul uh, Paul Washer he, he was doing a, a, a talking about Christmas and, and talking about why Jesus came to a group of kids and it, it was he came because of the wrath of God see that's Paul Washer isn't it he came, he came because of the wrath of God and he's, he's telling this to a group of kids but that's why he came isn't it to save Sinners from the wrath of God. That's why he came. For, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And, and a statement like that's what's that talking about? What's well, talking about those who are born again? You can't walk according to the Spirit unless you are born again, amen? That the Spirit of God is in you. So unlike all others who had been born under the law, Jesus fulfilled the law. Living in perfect obedience, 
He satisfied the righteous requirements of the law and by his perfect sacrifice upon the cross, giving his life, shedding his blood as the once and forever perfect sacrificial lamb provided perfect redemption for all who would come to him in faith, born of the Spirit, walking according to the Spirit. He was born to die. He was born to die. Yeah, I think that, that that just brings to mind that little song that Gary Shepherd wrote. Remember that years ago? Uh, he, he took the the old kid's song, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and, and he brought it down to Joseph and Mary, the son of uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. And, and he came as a lamb. That's why he came, wasn't it? Mary Had a Little Lamb, spotless to come and to be the perfect sacrifice. He was born to die, born to give his life a ransom, a payment for sin. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Why did he come? Not to be served, but to serve. He came at the will of the Father. He came to give his life a ransom for many, for all who would believe. In Matthew 18, verse 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. You see, sin had separated God and man. But the incarnation bridges the separation. The the lyrics of the the old uh, Christmas carol, the, the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Peace on earth and mercy mild. What's the next line? God and sinners reconciled. It's, that's a great lyric, isn't it? Because that's why I came. To reconcile sinners. Jesus came to save sinners from wrath. Spurgeon said it this way. Uh, quote, From henceforth, when God looks upon man, he will remember that his own son is a man. From this day forth, when he beholds the sinner, if his, if God's wrath should burn, he will remember that his own son, as man, stood in the sinner's place and bore the sinner's doom. End quote. He came to bear the sinner's doom, to rescue sinners. God, in his mercy, grace, and love, sent Christ to seek and to save those who are under judgment. And wrath. You know, we, we, we sing an old hymn. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruin sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. See, that's, that's why I came. To rescue. Ruin sinners to reclaim, to reconcile us back to God through Christ who came. Oh, hallelujah, what a Savior. <laughs> Unto you is born this day, what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's read it. Uh, Luke 2. Uh, let's go ahead. We're going to read the... 14 verses there. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This census took place when Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, the, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I bring you tidings of great joy. Jesus came to this earth to bring great joy. See, when we as born-again believers consider and meditate on the incarnation of the Son of God, are we overwhelmed with great joy that He came? Uh, I was reading John Piper. I liked how he stated it. He, he called it indestructible joy. <laughs> indestructible joy a joy that once you have it once you've been born again having believed the gospel having received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior nothing can take this joy from you it is indestructible indestructible joy Jesus was sharing with his disciples of the things that would happen as the time of the cross drew nearer uh, he had just shared the story of you know, they'd left the upper room, and, and again, I get the picture of him walking past a vineyard, perhaps, and, and taking that time to, to, to tell that, uh, the, the story, the account, I am the vine, you are the branches. And just right after that, Jesus said this in John 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, why? That my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. <laughs> Jesus came to good tidings of great joy. And, and then in the time just before Jesus and his disciples entered into the Garden of Gethsemane, he'd just been talking about how he must go away. You know, Jim talked about this morning, yeah, he's going away, but oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. He says, I'm going to go away, but that, that they would see him again. And then Jesus said this in John 16, verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Indestructible joy. No one can take the joy from us. For those who are born again, born of God, born of the Spirit, we possess in Christ indestructible joy. Let me, let me read some scripture in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you know this. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 14, and, and we read uh, this passage uh, last week from Romans 14 in regard to Christian liberty, in regard to the eating of food that's been offered to idols. But, but listen to verse uh, 16 and 17. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Psalms 5 verse 11. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who also who love your name be joyful to you. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. <laughs> Should we have joy? Consider this, child of God. I will re greatly rejoice in the Lord. My, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me in the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. See, Christ came, died on a cross so that we might receive His righteousness, a righteousness imputed to us through His shed blood because we couldn't earn it. We couldn't do it of ourselves. Our righteousness was nothing but what? Filthy rags. But in Christ, in Christ, oh, my soul shall be joyful for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. <laughs> Don't we have reason to rejoice, child of God? We've been called by his name. Isaiah 35 verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen. I want to read one more Spurgeon quote. Spurgeon said it this way, Rejoice, O sinners everywhere, for the restorer of the castaways, the Savior of the fallen, is born. Join in the joy, you saints, for He is the preserver of the saved ones, delivering them from innumerable perils, and He is the sure perfecter of such as He preserves. 
Jesus is no partial Savior, beginning a work and not concluding it, but restoring and upholding. He also perfects and presents the saved ones without spot or wrinkle or any such thing before His Father's throne. Rejoice aloud, all you people. Let your hills and valleys ring with joy, for a Savior who is mighty to save is born among you. Amen? I can say amen to that. May we rejoice that a Savior was born. May, may we rejoice that He came that we may have great joy. Child of God, may we marvel at the incarnation. I, I've talked about that. The creator of the universe coming to this tiny microscopic speck in the realm of all of creation coming to this. May we rejoice that we have received indestructible joy. Let's go a little farther into Luke's gospel. Second chapter, verses 21 through 32. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses was completed, they brought him, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. <laughs> was the Holy Spirit upon people uh, before Christ ascended? And, and Yes, yes. The Holy Spirit was on the face of the earth, yes. Now verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. Are you getting all this? Being, being led by the Spirit. And here he comes, being led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. For you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The Holy Spirit revealed this to Simeon. And when he's holding this baby, he, he is seeing of why he came to bring light into darkness, to, to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Aren't you thankful for that? To the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. See, what a statement, what a glorious truth, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, to those who were once Far off. Those outside the covenants of promise. That's why Jesus came. To shine light into darkness. In Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 13. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh. <laughs> now wait, but we know Christ came. He came 
what Simeon say? A, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 19 in Ephesians 2. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for what Christ came to do? Jesus came to bring light to the world, to bring light to the Gentiles. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And let me pause there for a minute. Who's, who's Peter talking to? Who's he writing this letter to? How to start out? He's writing this to the elect of God, to God's children. And he's saying these things to them, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who, have, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Why? Because we were called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Jesus came to bring light. 2 Corinthians 4.6 For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How? in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See, this morning, if you're a child of God, you're a child of light. Amen? Because one day he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you're redeemed because Jesus Christ, the true light, came into the world. Giving himself a ransom for many. He was born that he might die. He was born that we might live. And now as children of God, as a child of God, I am called to walk as a child of light. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, 
do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. As Christ came to bring light, we as children of God are to be a reflection of Him, are we not? We, we are to reflect and shine the light of Christ into the midst of a world of darkness. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 14, verse 46. I have come as a light in the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. That whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And there's that question again, isn't it? Do you believe? as His light shone into your darkened heart that you may see your sin and see a Savior. Do you believe? John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have Everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. He came to rescue sinners. He came to give His life a ransom for many to bring tidings of great joy. Do you believe? Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That you would call upon Him in faith believing. Repent and give your life to Him in service and love. Oh, I pray that we might all be able to cry out with thanksgiving. Thank God for His light of revelation thank god for an indescribable gift second corinthians 9 15 
Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks. Thanks that, that one day in the fullness of time, in Your timing, Lord, that You sent a Savior, Christ the Lord. And Lord, it was, it was a marvelous birth. And like any other on the face of this planet, because He was born unlike any other on the face of this planet. And so, Father, help us to meditate and to consider not, not just His birth, but His birth, His life, His death, and His resurrection. Lord, let, let us be able to speak the, the whole truth of the entirety of Christ's life that You have given us in Scripture. And Father, I pray that should there be one who, who might hear this sermon and that they are yet lost, that Lord, that You would do as only You can do, that You would perform a miracle of regeneration, that You would perform a miracle and call the dead to life, that You would shine light into a dark place and reveal not only Yourself, but to reveal that sinner's sin and Lord, that they may fall before You, recognizing You, recognizing the, 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 the payment that was made on behalf of, of their sin, and receive Christ, believing in faith, turning from their sin and following You. So Lord, I pray that You would perform the miracle of salvation. Lord, I pray that You would help us who have believed Lord, help us all the more to shine as lights into a, in a darkened world that we would speak truth and love, that we would can do all that we can, Lord, on our part to live peaceably with all men and, and to shine light that others may see Christ in us. So, Father, help us to live for You. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Yeah.